Okay, well, uh, I guess let's let's start. Just checking, see if the, where all the exits sure. are and where the windows are, and make sure there's nobody standing behind me. And checking my security, my physical security. Check your physical security first. Yep. Am I safe? Are you safe, JD? Are you in a I'm, safe place? I'm in a safe place. I hope you're I, in a safe place too, Matt. <laughs> I'm. Yes, I am. I am now. Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast, where I've had one cup of coffee, well, half a cup of coffee, and I would like to welcome this beautiful day with the presence of an awesome co-host. Welcome, JD. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Other I'm good. Than not having enough coffee. Not enough coffee. Um, I mean, yeah, could always use more coffee. And we're uh, sadly missing our co-host Shauna today, but for good reasons. I think she's off. Uh, honeymoon or getting married or um, all the above all all of the above and and in a nice warm sunny spot which yeah yay shauna Shauna. she deserves some fun times um hard work in shauna so we'll she will join us in the podcast when she comes back from those sunny climates if she comes back i don't don't blame her you can work from anywhere now right so remote from anywhere do it from the beach yeah well How's it going out there, JD? Uh, it's it's going. It's it's a little crazy these days with uh, zero day patches from from Apple and like urgent warnings that you should update all of your things, especially in the iOS realm. Um, so that's that's been fun. So trying to uh, update MDMs that normally wait fourteen days or so to release a patch to to go in there and say, no, no, this one you should push. Go ahead and and push this one down. I think is is important. There's been a lot of software updates for iOS and macOS, uh, just repeated point releases. And how do we <laughs> ensure that these these updates get deployed to fleets? Uh, it seems like the tools um, have lent themselves to uh, be criticized uh, over the last, I don't know, days, months, years, last well, few releases. Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as we've talked about before, MDM is is kind of like UDP for a network protocol and... and- just to bring everybody up to speed, UDP means that you just broadcast and you don't care if the packet is actually received, uh, whereas TCP requires that a confirmation that the packet was received. So when you send out a command to your endpoints and say, please update, you have no confirmation that it was received until you check back later and see, oh, I see that that has updated to that point release, or no, that device has not updated to that point release. Why? send it again. So sometimes it, it feels uh, like Sisyphus, you know, pushing the rock up the hill. These are the, these are the things that we do as, as Mac admins and in handling endpoint devices. Well, we look forward to the uh, great overhaul and redo of the MDM protocol. Apple has started with a, um, a sort of remake of MDM for iOS only now, right? Um, right. Yeah. We're, going to see more of that um you know and and a lot of mdm 
providers have handled this by putting an actual application or tool on on the device uh, that they can interact with and and actually get some of that feedback to see if things are, are happening. Um, but that's not true of all MDM vendors. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how Apple matures MDM after ignoring all of the problems for all of the time. I'm sure we felt pretty smug in the uh, DevOps I, Mac IT world with our uh, configuration management tools like Puppet or Chef or Salt or other things, or even Monkey, which I've I want to cling to as a configuration management tool because it sets states and makes it true. You know, this software goes, this software right. stays, these scripts run, these. I mean, so I think the, the what are they calling it? Declarative MDM, this new MDM that's going to be for iOS now and maybe macOS in the future, where you say you declare a state that you want. Uh, fancy that! Yeah. Remember they got that idea. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to have uh, you know this I- idea of it's not really recipes, but but a uh, a set of profiles uh, that you expect to be on the device um, and just just have it do that so it's not something that we've gotten since yeah. we left the mcx days back in 10.6 yeah no i mean and 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 as we're sad to leave the old um there's lots of new and new olds or new news or whatever um <laughs> and working with ansible as well and you know ansible has that sort of just declarative recipe sort of thing these are the things you want and ansible will take care of it so um, there's different ways of managing states, and you know, there's also um, Graham Gilbert showed off his Terraform with Monkey. I think uh, Amazon has their CloudFront uh, version of Terraform, I believe it is. Um, you know, there's different ways of declaring states and declaring what you want, how many servers, kind of like the Docker and Docker Compose, you know, uh, Kubernetes style, where you want these kind of things, these many servers, and let the let the underneath, you know, the services underneath take care of how to manage those states. So. I think uh, as much as I hate the word policies, uh, you know, that's come from sort of the Windows world, but, you know, for lack of better words, setting policies in, you know, your MDM or configuration management tool and saying, I want these things, these are the things I want and right. go and do them and make sure. And then maybe even, you know, come back around as a compliance tool and check those things that those are the things we want. It, it reminds me a lot of, uh, there used to be a, a tool out there called Deep Freeze that you could use <laughs> you know, <laughs> from, for, for, la- for labs and computers and, and things like that, where you could basically lock a configuration and users could do whatever they wanted and you reboot the machine and it's back to the, the previous state. I think we're, we're finally seeing that with snapshots and, and some of that capability in what's coming uh, with MDM. So it'll be oh. hopefully nice to see it. It's always a struggle because just as you're getting used to working around whatever Apple has decided MDM is going to be, they, they move the cheese on us and, and change it. So I guess that, that keeps us on our toes and gives you a reason to get up in the morning. What has Apple changed? <laughs> everything. The answer is always everything. Thank you, Apple, for keeping us on our toes with all the updates. Right. But, uh, oh, and for giving us jobs and <laughs> because we have to keep continually chase the cheese, even <laughs> though I'm, I'm lactose intolerant and can't eat the cheese. Speaking of Apple uh, and software updates, uh, Apple uh, recent uh, event, since we're recording this before the event, but the event has now passed, uh, we will now uh, boldly predict all the new announcements that we know nothing about. I'm guessing. Everybody. I'm guessing laptops. <laughs> laptops. Yeah. What? What amazing laptops. Even shinier than before. I just, right. I mean, 
shiny, right? I'm guessing that they're going to come in colors. So uh, as we saw with the IMAX that now come in, in a fruitful array of, of rainbow delicious colors and i think if you lick them they they taste different too so don't lick your eyes i don't know anything about colors but uh, i'm gonna guess that monterey has been released or we'll have a date we'll set for, a date release. for monterey so maybe the will i hope the gold master is uh is better than what they're shipping as beta <laughs> as we record this right now so you know and as computers evolve and language evolves we now call it a release candidate jd sorry <laughs> I mean, yeah, language is an evolving thing. We keep changing and we keep adapting. And I'm of the old era of records and vinyl. Well, we don't so want to take you out to the recycling cool. depot along with not the yet. bins. <laughs> not sure? yet, JD. Not, not sure. You can change, JD. We can change. It's a gold master to me. So. Nope. Release, release candidate. candidates. Be flexible. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, so uh, I'm going to predict that we have been given a date for new hardware, which will ship in the future, and then Monterey will ship at you know in some maybe in a couple of weeks because I don't I don't think they've released a release candidate yet. Seems like they're yeah. still pushing out betas. <laughs> right. Yeah, betas to fix the betas. Uh, yeah, still my favorite are seeing uh, some other software tools that I that I use get updates pushed saying, well, the latest beta broke all of this, so this fixes to fix that fix and <laughs> uh, yes and, and we salute all the people testing since june with all the betas and i think i think it's been pretty seamless i don't think there's been any humongous hiccups that i've heard of um no but it, it definitely is a struggle you know i think we we forget how how much the other software teams outside of apple also have to react and, and update their software and their tools and test uh, all of that uh, to make sure that it works, and and even the tools that we use, whether it's Monkey or or Santa or or uh, you know Monkey Report, any of that stuff, all has to be tested against this new new unforeseen platform that we're being handed. Unforeseen, only so much as in you know we've had beta since June, but yeah, uh, I think open source is run by volunteers, and I know that. Zach uh, has been working his like crazy day job and been working on trying to like update the Python scripts for Monkey Report. And there's lots of like people in the open source communities and different groups trying to help you know keep projects up to date with all these changes, as well as do their own day jobs and work and pay their rent and you know and live their lives. Um, so we salute all the uh, open source volunteers that are working hard going, what? Python 2.7 is not working anymore. Now we have to update all the things to Python 3 or right. now we have to ship our own Python. Or uh, Although the new Python 3.10 is is pretty slick. So the, the messages when you have errors are actually helpful now and tell you exactly where and possibly why uh, it errored. Also, we'll, we'll put a, sh a link to the, the show notes, but you had a tweet from Jake Williams about the Chexmarks uh, analogy of uh, people looking at open source like a free lunch or a free puppy. But what you're actually signing up for is all the care and feeding uh, for that. So, right. Uh, and my, my favorite was uh, you finished that with open source software ages like milk, not wine. Yeah, yeah, that was a good tweet from uh, Jake. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I really, I mean... While I'm, you know, 
time wasting on Twitter. I'm learning things and connecting the dots with all the people that are on Twitter. And uh, thanks to other people for making great observations. And open source takes a lot of work. And like our kids who uh, keep asking us for a cat or a dog or other things, you go, there's a responsibility. You got to empty the cat litter. Or if it's a dog, you got to walk the dog several times a day. So uh, some open source projects, you know, they get only a little bit of time in between other people's, you know, busy lives. So uh, yeah, thanks to everybody for working on that. Led me to another good tweet from Brian uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, who uh, worked on a book called Debugging Teams. And uh, now it's uh, available for free or for purchase. But it's a, it seemed like a really interesting uh, book that we should also do a book club on if we aren't <laughs> oversubscribed yeah. or close. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want to look into that at some point when I have a free moment, uh, you know, debugging teams, like the whole, how do teams work? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm notoriously bad at working with other people and I try my best and, but just the whole concept uh, philosophically, how do you work with teams? How do you get companies to work together? How do you get, you know, the teams to work with other teams? And it's, it's a, it's a perennial uh, favorite topic because it's so difficult to get just right, I think, or <laughs> do you have to use Microsoft Teams in order to work with other teams? No, sir, you do not. No. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> but some people like Microsoft Teams and, uh, well, nice knowing you. <laughs> the video quality is great. Uh, yeah. The video quality is great, but uh, yeah, there are other tools. So I also saw that the Python Software Foundation was uh, looking for recommendations or uh, nominations for awesome community organizers. Um, I think the Python Software Foundation does a great job of helping and encouraging and, and supporting people that need the help. And so they're looking for nominations to uh, recommend uh, someone looking after that favorite library of yours or favorite project. I'd nominate Greg if it didn't go to his head, you know. <laughs> oh, we love I mean, it. I mean, Monkey, I mean, I love Monkey so much. And I saw somebody recently had gotten into Monkey and was posting on it. And he's like, so I've been using Monkey and it's great. I'm installing software and it does seems to do what it wants. You know, what is it, what, what I wanted to do. But how do I know what it's really doing? And how do is there any kind of dashboards or reports? And someone's like, monkey report, you know, <laughs> and someone, I think Greg mentioned Sal's there too. And, you know, Sal and monkey report are great dashboards and, and it kind of echoed the same feeling I had when I set up monkey. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. I can tell it to install software and it just does. And, but is it, I don't know. And then when I discovered monkey report, I'm like, ah, here's the reports of how many right. you know, pieces of software have been installed and what's going on and who hasn't checked in, in you know, days, weeks, months or whatever. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, de declarative management through Monkey, and also nice reports. Yes, helpful. <laughs> Although, I mean, I do appreciate the the part of Monkey that is just like I will keep hammering on this machine to install the software until until it is installed. So you do have that versus MDM, which is install the software. Yeah, yeah. I remember the the early days of the pandemic when it first started, and I was like, well, I'm glad I have MDM because reach my internal Monkey at this you know one client. And, and I was like, oh, I'll use an MDM. People have been saying that you can install software with that for years. Then I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is, this is not like Monkey at all. This is, not at all. This is, this is different. Yes. This is, how do I know if it worked? This reminds me of the early days when I had my eyes closed and I was using Monkey. And, <laughs> and, and patch management's horrible through, through an MDM, which is why a lot of folks and a lot of MDMs now are packaging Monkey, Monkey. with their MDM yeah. so that they can do patch management. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when, when Taylor announced at Mac DevOps that, you know, Monkey was being included in Symbol MDM, I was like, yes, 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 that's good. This is good. But a lot of projects are using Monkey now, and it makes sense to 
I think that's what people liked about Fleetsmith originally, you know, had a great, you know, catalog of software you could just instantly install, make our lives easier, please. That's what we say to all vendors, right? Right. Yeah. And until that vendor is bought up by uh, Fruitco and everything disappears yeah, in yeah, your catalog. Yeah. Well, you know, the Oops. Fruitco makes things into different shaped things, you know, so. Speaking of awesome things that, you know, the Fruit Co. makes, I mean, I still uh, work with a lot of people using Final Cut, and Final Cut is awesome. One of the reasons we chose Final Cut is because Apple was working on it, so you knew when they came up with a new OS that it would be supported right away, and that's always something that all software developers and, and you know, IT, we struggle with the same problem as if there's a new version of software, then you go, like, does my software still run with it? Is there something that's right. changed? Or, you know, so... Definitely, uh, when we were evaluating with some clients, should we stick with Final Cut uh, 10 after Final Cut 7, or should we go to you know other software? And they're like, well, when Apple changes, this will change too, and go right with the same time. So maybe uh, you know, that's one super big pro as well as it worked really well. But <laughs> you know, every other software vendor, you know, you, you, some software vendors are definitely on top of betas and beta testing, and some people have smaller teams and. Just wait till Apple releases the full version or the release version, you know. And yeah, I mean, I and I understand that because it it is a moving target for a little while. You know, Apple tends to put a beta out there with all of the hopes and dreams of all the engineers, uh, and then eventually somebody comes in and starts culling. Well, we're not going to ship that feature. We're gonna we're gonna disable this, or this isn't fully baked, so we're gonna take that out. Uh, depending on what your software does, that that could affect you. So yeah. I mean, there's that dream that if you see something that's a major blocker for you, that you can supply the feedback and Apple will work on it. Or, you know, if you're a crafty Mac admin or a developer with some some kind of access, you can can sneak in like a complaint or a request for making that change or to keep a feature that you need to, you know. So if Apple suddenly decides to yank something because it's been abused by malware, you know. Right. If, if uh, you know, Apple sees that. What? Malware, malware uh, manipulates things in the system using using Apple's own tools. I, I don't understand. I mean, like sysadmins are indistinguishable from malware authors sometimes in their ability to destroy things in an automated fashion. Um, malware authors also study uh, sysadmins and use a lot of sysadmin techniques. And so Apple was finding, I think, that root certs were being installed. And so now we can't install them like in the command line behind users in an automated fashion as we would when we're doing stuff. We can't install profiles as we did before. Um, all the tools that you know, we can't do anymore is because somebody out there has been doing it for bad reasons. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, it, the, the struggle there is that uh, our users are getting overloaded with confirmation screens. So, it you know, you end up with this uh, fatigue of clicking so-and-so wants access to this, you know, click click through this and pretty soon people just click through the dialogue to dismiss it and don't actually address software vendors have to write huge long articles how to enable or disable things because you know like say if you're using a kernel extension still like if you're using mac fuse or fuse file system or lots of different hardware that has kernel extensions um then you you know if you're you you have to go and enable this kernel extensions in like multi-step procedures and if you're on an M1, which is going to be everybody pretty much soon, you have to boot in a recovery. The one true recovery, you know, enable reduce security and enable um, allow third party signed developers and, you know, potentially allow MDM control too. But um, yeah, there's a lot of steps that you have to walk people through just to enable some software. It's almost like Apple didn't want kernel extensions to run anymore. <laughs> While you're in there, put a firmware. Pa- oh, never mind. You can't put a firmware password on an M1. Sorry. 
never mind. <laughs> Maybe in the M1X. We'll know. Well, you all yeah. know after, once this is so been shiny, published. so shiny. I so knew. Shiny. Uh, yeah, I just I love the shiny. You know. Uh, beyond that, we need reliability, and you are looking for information about being a site reliability engineer or the, those tasks involved therein. Yes, GD. Well, are you having reliability issues? So, are you unreliable, Matt? I, well, let's not speak to my personal, uh, you know, work habits. No. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, site reliability engineering SREs are, uh, you know, something that I don't know has come into the its own as a as a career for a lot of uh, people in the, the 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 ops part of DevOps IT. When you work at a large company, uh, you get lobbed the software projects and the servers, and and you have to make sure it's working and. Uh, and keep it uh, working and keep it reliable and then pass it back to the developers. And I guess part of the whole DevOps movement was trying to get those dev and ops to work together. But there's a huge career track of people that are just ops, sort of half developer, half IT, or mostly uh, late, uh, you know, late night staring at consoles and uh, trying to keep all the servers of the world uh, on on fire. No, on online. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, Google came out with uh, some SRE books, uh, and I thought it would be really fun to uh, explore this area that I find myself more and more into, you know, IT for, you know, servers around the world. You know, it's a whole other uh, skill class, and uh, I think a lot of other people want to get into this as well. So I thought we could look at some of the um, Google SRE books that are online, and we'll post a link, SRE.Google. There's free books right there, and uh, we could start by reading through the books and if people have questions uh, or things to share about being an SRE or that whole field, then uh, let's do it. I think we can start this in November. Um, uh, we have two potentials for book club ideas here, the the debugging teams and, and then uh, the SRE uh, series here from, from Google. So, but uh, to your point, uh, you know, we are seeing more on the ops side of, of needing security and, and keeping things up and running uh, as much as possible. And, and even though we're everything's in the cloud, so to speak, we're still relying on basically OPS, other people's servers, uh, to, to get things done. So who, who keeps tabs on those and what tools are you using to, to do that? So definitely worthy of, of exploring as, as we move more and more things into the cloud. Yeah. So if you're an SRE, uh, come and join us and talk to us on the podcast about uh, your exciting career of uh, getting paged at random times and uh, how you stay <laughs> sane. We would love to know how, uh, you know, just, you know, in general. <laughs> uh, we may have some specific questions too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Join us on our world tour book club uh, stay at home uh, party and uh, yeah, learn along with us, read along. Yeah, definitely. Drink your coffee, get your exercise, take care of yourselves, everyone, and uh, draw firm boundaries around wherever you're hiding in the corner in the closet. And, uh, you know. Yes, we'll, we'll work on you uh, with uh, the whole boundary yeah, thing. Yeah, so. working, work, work, work. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't work. Yeah, it's a, it's a work life balance. So, oh, uh, work-life balance. Oh, yes. I thought it was just work-work balance, but um, yeah, your life should not all be work. Apparently, that's what they tell me. So I did sleep for a couple hours this week. Well, that's good. That's good, right? That's a start. That's a start. So you need you need a couple of hours apparently every day, not just every week. Oh, so, yeah. The servers need me. The servers need me, JD. Thanks for joining us this week on the Mac DevOps podcast. It's been an entertaining ride of awesome tidbits, 
insert cool comment here and thanks. <laughs> You're welcome, Matt. The Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. For the 2021 Mac DevOps conference, we would like to thank Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. We're also grateful for Mac Stadium's sponsorship of our hack night. Thank you, Mac Stadium. Visit them at macstadium.com. Our gold sponsor is Flow Swiss AG with their Mac Bare Metal instance. Thank you, Flow Swiss AG. Visit them at flow.swiss/mac-bare-metal. Thank you to our silver sponsor, Simple MDM. Visit them at simplemdm.com. Thank you to our bronze sponsor, Teradici. Visit them at teradici.com. Our live feed is sponsored by Fleet DM. Visit them at fleetdm.com. And this year, our MDM panel is sponsored by Adagy. Visit them at adagy.com. Please take a moment to visit all of our sponsors. We could not hold Mac DevOps YVR without the support of our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests, and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. So welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome. Are are you doing, JD? (laughs) Are we going to jump into this or do you want to actually? I'm just warming up my, uh, you know, production voice. (laughs) (laughs) I just like to, you know, bring out a welcome to, you know, see how it, just try it on. Like, welcome, JD. How's it going? It's it's going. (laughs) You're bringing your A game? Always, always.